Hey, hey D&D, D&D fam. fam. I'm Quick. And I'm Lee. And you're listening to Divas and Duckets. So what is a diva? I think divas get a bad rep. But to me, diva is all about the attitude. As for ducats, it's your finances, your assets, Skrilla, Guap, your coin. We're talking all things with the potential to affect your pockets. And while we're attorneys by trade, we are divas by choice. Divas and Ducats is for entertainment purposes. Y'all, we are not Series 511 <laughs> or 703 professionals. This does not create a financial advisor nope, nope. or attorney-client relationship. The views expressed here are solely our opinions and the opinions of our guests. It's just our opinions, y'all. Okay, Divas, let's talk Ducats. Hi, D&D fam. Welcome back. We're excited to have you. We have an exciting topic today on our docket. We're getting into a little of commercial and residential real estate. You know, we like to talk about income streams. Um, But first, we want to let you know if you are watching, make sure you hit subscribe below um, so you can be updated when we have new episodes, as well as go to our website, www.divasandducats.com, where you can also sign up for our little letter and little tickler to let you know what's going on with us um and so before we get into our topic and introduce our guests we have a sponsors yes this episode is sponsored by hunters affordable bail bonding and we know that our listeners may not necessarily need a bondsman (laughs) however you may have some family members Mm -hmm. that may need a bondsman and if you do hunters affordable bail bonding is serving all of north carolina they have four offices Mm -hmm. Um, one is in charlotte monroe laurenburg and lumberton but they can service any county within north carolina their tag is they are better to know and not need than to need and not know and every good attorney also always has a bail bondsman in their pocket right Mm So if you need a bail bondsman, you could definitely contact them. Um, they have been servicing North Carolina, uh, Charlotte and surrounding areas since 1997. And everyone arrested is innocent until proven guilty. Mm-hmm. And so they treat everyone with respect, dignity, and the utmost confidence. So if you need Hunter's affordable bail bonding, you can reach them at 704-377-3733. And this office is located in Charlotte, North Carolina, and their direct sale is 704-287-4689. And we will have that information below in the show notes. All right. So let's get into yeah, it. Yeah. So we have a special guest here today, uh, expert in investing in real estate, mm-hmm. and his name is Kevin Calhoun. Introduce yourself to our people. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, my name is Kevin Calhoun, and uh, I am a partner with the Calhoun Group. Uh, we are actually a, a residential and multifamily um, commercial development mm-hmm. company. And so what we do is we actually buy and own commercial real estate that's in the hospitality industry. That would be like hotels mm-hmm. and multifamily uh, apartments, townhouses, and uh, retail units, depending upon what uh, it calls for. Okay. All right. Calhoun Group. I was saying earlier, that sounds like, oh, man. All right. That's a, that's, that name got some sauce on it. All right. <laughs> we try. We try. <laughs> it is an interesting story. I actually um, met Mr. Kevin Calhoun through um, Delta Sigma Theta, and we were hosting a woman's investment uh, event and he came in and was talking about investing in hotels and it mm-hmm. i don't know why it shook me but it was like the first african-american i personally knew mm-hmm. that owned a hotel like it was just mind-blowing to me right and he gave just such a wealth of information of being able to how to do it, it being able to invest in those things that was before i knew about franchises and all that which is interesting because you know even with what we do, you, you're just always learning. There's always room for learning. So I just learned this about three years ago. Mm-hmm. So it was just, you know, very interesting to me. So tell us, how did you get started in, in property investment? Well, it's actually interesting. So the company was actually started by my brother, Damian Calhoun. And uh, he's located up in the Washington, D.C. area. And how he got started was actually just flipping houses. Mm. So as most of your listeners have probably seen or um, or experienced on TV with those different uh, home renovation right. shows, mm-hmm. you know, you've seen someone come in, take a house that's old or 
yeah. or is kind of well-worn and they go in and do a gut out renovation mm-hmm. uh, and really is one way of adding a lot of value. Yeah. And so my brother figured out in the Washington DC area, he realized the trend of gentrification on the front end of when it was happening. Mm-hmm. And he would go and buy old brownstones mm-hmm. and he would gut it out, take out everything but the walls and rebuild it from scratch. Mm-hmm. And then he would turn a single family home with three stories mm-hmm. into three condo units of one story each. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that's kind of how it got started. And we started investing in those projects. Um, I, uh, on my own, had a private equity group that I was joined in with one of my uh, fraternity brothers. Mm-hmm. Shout out to uh, my brothers at Alpha Phi Alpha. Okay. Um, that was called... Uh, <laughs> Uh, New Freedom Ventures, and we had pulled together money from folks who were working class people Mm -hmm. to invest in entrepreneurs for both uh, women and people of color. Mm -hmm. And so uh, my brother actually came to my group and asked us to invest in some properties he had, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of how that got started. Um, Then after a 20-year career in telecom and the tech industry, he asked me to join the organization and help him grow into the southeast. Uh, He sensed that the D.C. market was getting saturated, Mm -hmm. overheating, and he said, hey, the southeast is where the emerging market and value is going to be. I want to expand there. Come Mm -hmm. on and join. And that's how the Calhoun Group uh, was founded and got started. Okay. And I don't, I would re- like to presume people know. So like, what is a private equity? You say you own a private equity firm. Like, what do they do? What is that? Oh, yeah. So this is something a lot of your, your uh, listeners may want to know. But mm-hmm. what a private equity fund is, is simply put, if you and five of your friends mm-hmm. get together and you each put up $10,000. Okay. And then you formulate that into a company, an LLC structure, mm-hmm. then you, in essence, have a private equity group. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that case, you would have $100,000 of capital to invest, mm-hmm. and you would invest under the name of whatever that company was that you created. Mm-hmm. It could be your family name. Mm-hmm. It could be, you know, named after something that held you guys together mm-hmm. or just, you know, you made up your own name. Mm-hmm. But that's a way for people to pull money together to increase their, you know, buying power, but also to participate in things that as an individual, you, you never would get an opportunity mm-hmm. to participate in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the interesting uh, facts is that in America, uh, only 2% of hotels are owned by African Americans. Mm-hmm. And um, half of that 1% is Bob Johnson who was the founder of BET and sold BET to Viacom for a billion dollars. And then he took his money from Viacom and he did two things with it. Um, He got into the two most expensive franchises you can get into. He got into the sports franchise business, which is the most expensive, and he he bought and founded the um, Charlotte Bobcats, Mm -hmm. brought the NBA team back to Charlotte, um, and then later sold that to Michael Jordan as the Hornets. And he started RLJ, and they began to invest in hotels. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so between him and then his ex-wife Sheila, who got her half a billion in a divorce settlement and started uh, Salamander um, Hospitality. And so, those two own half of the black hotels in America. So really, when you go outside of the two billionaires. Um, only 1% of hotels are owned by African Americans that kind of were like me and my brother and my partner, Walter Rasby, that just kind of did it bootstrap mm. um, on our own. Better being the 1%. <laughs> right. That makes me think, I wonder if she's related to that. Um, it's like this luxury hotel up in the Virginia area, Salomon. That, that's, that's her? her. Yeah. Okay. That's Sheila okay. Johnson. Okay. Yes. Got you. I'm so that's like, BET money right it there. It looks, yeah, it looks quite nice. <laughs> Yeah, she she has several high end mm-hmm. uh, resort hotels, and she she does do a fabulous job. So I've got a chance to meet both of them before, through hotel conferences and such, and so they they do a good job representing representing the industry. Okay, so now just for the people's sake, or just someone getting started, um, we know you know people can finance, or there's multiple ways to secure funding. But how did you just, you know, from your experience, you and your brother go about securing the financing to be able to do that? Right, because gutting a brownstone sounds very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, and thank you, Lee, for that question. So the, the biggest thing that is the hardest 
hump to get over for most people when you're getting started is what do we do for that initial investment, mm -hmm. right? So I'll just take a single family home uh, renovation and kind of stick to what folks would more normally see with the property brothers and mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. And they'll show you that, okay, we go and we buy this house, it's $150,000, mm -hmm. right? So one of the things they don't tell you that is a financing vehicle out there that really works well is that if you're going to do a house flip, mm -hmm. there are financial programs out there where the bank will give you 70% of what you estimate as the after repair value after you've made all the improvements. And so what if you find a good enough deal, mm -hmm. um, just to kind of run through some numbers of what that may look like, mm -hmm. you know, if you're in a hot area, you can buy the home for say $150,000 and let's say you need to put another $50,000 of improvements into it. Mm -hmm. So then your total cost is uh, $200,000 mm -hmm. in this mm -hmm. example. But um, once you get finished, the value of the house in the market would trade at $300,000. Okay. Right? So I'm putting in total $200,000. Mm -hmm. My value is three hundred. Mm -hmm. You can go to the bank, and as long as you can provide them evidence that yeah, they're selling for three hundred thousand this market. Mm -hmm. The bank would give you seventy percent of three hundred. Mm. Um, and you know, for uh, those who don't want to do the math, that's just over the two hundred thousand you need. <laughs> and um, and you can go and you can get the money to do the deposit to buy the house and do the renovations. Um, and that's the best way to get started is to find that kind of deal. But mm -hmm. you can start small. Um, one of the things that I would tell your listeners is if you live in any community that's got a, uh, a historically black college, that is a community that's perfect for doing house flips mm -hmm. um, because they tend to be um, centrally located, not too far from downtown. And you've got a ready pool of, mm -hmm. you know, students and others that are looking for housing. Mm -hmm. And you can sometimes get an old rundown house pretty cheap. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and that's probably one of the easiest way to get started. Unless you're mm -hmm. in Charlotte. Right. Unless you're in Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I heard they were out there tanning on Howard's campus, too. So it's, it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it's everywhere. Absolutely. So is that that loan you were speaking of? What is it called? A specific type of loan? Or? Yeah, it's it's called a, the vernacular in the industry is an ARV loan, okay, okay. which is just um, after repair value. Okay, and so it's an after repair value loan. Okay. okay. Um, one of the things they'll usually look for is they will look at your credit score, right. mm -hmm. but your credit score doesn't have to be a seven fifty, eight hundred, anything like that. As long as you can get above a 620, you you can you know qualify, and then the next step is just surrounding yourself with uh, contractors mm -hmm. or someone that can do the work that's of good quality. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the best ways to get started actually is to find somebody who's a local developer who's doing it and partner with them to invest a little bit of money in it, mm -hmm. right? Because what happens is. Let's say I have $10,000 and I don't have enough to get started on my own project. Right. I can drive around my neighborhood, find somebody that's buying houses and flipping them. Mm -hmm. Walk up to them and like, hey, I'd like to invest $10,000 to your next project. They will absolutely take <laughs> your money. $10,000. Right? <laughs> and from that, you'll kind of learn how the process works. You'll get the paperwork. You'll mm -hmm. get the legal work. And I, I need y'all to close your your ears for a second here but one of the keys when you're trying to do commercial real estate is you're trying to get your legal documents mm -hmm. and if you can through participating in someone else's project get a start on what some of those legal documents are mm -hmm. um, then that will save you in your attorney costs if you're starting from scratch yeah. and you don't have the familiarity with the documents mm -hmm. and you're and you don't kind of know what to look for that's smart. Mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and so that's one of the things that we did early on is we were investors first mm -hmm. um, that gives you your 
your knowledge, mm-hmm. right? Because if you're mm-hmm. an investor, I have the right to come and talk to you and ask right. you questions. What's going on? Why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? Mm-hmm. They'll send you all the paperwork. They'll send you all the legal documents for you to invest in. Mm-hmm. And you kind of educate yourself mm-hmm. through that process for mm-hmm. free. Yeah. Uh, well, it's not for free because you're, you're right. actually investing some money, but you're not paying for it, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And then when you're trying to do your own, you at least are educated enough. So when I'm sitting down, and you know, talking to folks like yourself mm-hmm. about, hey, I need to have these contracts drawn up, or I need to have this legal work done. You can have a more intelligent conversation with the attorney mm-hmm. um, about what it is you need to have. So, and we often say on this show, like you pay for what you don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. So, what were some of the, you know, you're, in hindsight, you're saying like, you know, start off small and and learn from people, essentially somewhat for free. But what were some of the hiccups that like you and your brother experienced just in the process as you were newer into things? Yeah, I think the hardest thing is um, there's there's two things that's critical to commercial real estate. Okay. Um, most people have heard the term location, 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 mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which is how do I find the right asset at the right price in the in the right location? Mm-hmm. So step one is how do you find good properties? Right. Mm-hmm. So that's your first barrier. Okay. But actually, that's not as difficult for us because, to be honest, I'm, I'm going to step back. I'm going to answer your question, but mm-hmm. I want to just kind of draw a little parallel here. Mm-hmm. And that is when, I, when you think about over the last 20 years okay. where wealth has been created in America, the 90s and 2000s, was a tremendous wealth shift with technology companies. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all your dot coms, that's your Googles, that's your mm-hmm. Apples, those, those folks. But when you look in the last 10 to 15 years, uh, a huge amount of wealth has been created in flipping houses, mm-hmm. primarily in inner city black neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. So the amount of wealth transfer that's taken place has been one of the great opportunities in America in the last 100 years. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that happens is that too often we don't value the asset. Mm-hmm. We don't value what ownership really means mm-hmm. and what owning land means. And so we spend a lot of our our purposeful time trying to advance our intellect and our education. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have great degrees, mm-hmm. um, some of us, and uh, but, you know, you guys have law degrees, mm-hmm. which is a tremendous accomplishment to get those. But if you decided tomorrow that you wanted to give that to your son or daughter, <laughs> right, and that just by handing them that piece of paper, yeah. they're going to get the same value out of that law degree that you get, right. it's not going to happen. No. So, But if you have assets, if you mm-hmm. had a house or if you had a rental property, you could hand that over to your son or daughter tomorrow mm-hmm. yeah. and they don't lose any value mm-hmm. in what you've created. Right. And so too often we don't value the land that we have in our community. And what we've seen is that everybody else outside our community targeted it, came in, bought it cheap. We wanted to take grandmama's house and just get our $50,000 and go do something else with it mm-hmm. instead of staying in the community and participating in the development mm-hmm. and we let a lot of wealth a you lot. know leave our community mm-hmm. and begin to build up somebody else's you know all the south end mm-hmm. uh, for those who are in the charlotte area where prices chicken coop used to be I'm right mm-hmm. that used to be warehouses uh, that used to be warehouses there used to be a lot of things and now it's mm-hmm. one of the highest you know rent districts you know in the city mm-hmm. um and so i would just tell people that as you're trying to get started, as you're trying to get your financing, look at what assets you have and what things you can leverage. If, if you have a house or someone in your family has some real estate, some property, try to leverage that. Okay. Um, one of the things I'll talk about a little bit later is for folks who have uh, worked um, maybe in a company and they have a 401k, mm-hmm. um, there's strategies where you can do self-directed IRAs and you can use some of your um, investment dollars mm-hmm. and you can apply that as well um, as long as it's you know a good sound mm-hmm. you know investment deal and I'm not a series 7 
<laughs> so I won't uh, tell people how to invest their retirement dollars, but there is a way that you can leverage that as one of the options. Mm-hmm. And okay. when you say leverage, if you have homes or have family members that have homes and you say leverage, do you mean like a HELOC? Is that what you're Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's probably one of the easiest things to do mm-hmm. is to go and take the equity that's already there. Mm-hmm. And then you can go to the bank Mm -hmm. and you could try to leverage that for a line of credit. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's what a home equity line of credit is. You just get a line of credit, which they just say, hey, you've got borrowing capacity up to this number. Mm -hmm. And then you can draw that down however you want to. Um, And that's probably the most responsible way to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, The other way is. The uh, what they call syndication. So in the real estate industry, there's a term called syndication, which just means I gathered a whole bunch of people together. We all put in a little into a pot Mm -hmm. and then we had enough money to meet whatever the financial requirements were to get that deal done. So when we did our hotel. Uh, and just to, for those who are in the Charlotte area, please mm-hmm. come and visit um, yes. the Four Points Lake Norman uh, out in Huntersville. If you've been to the Burkdale Shopping Center, it's right around the corner. It's a Marriott property. It is uh, clean, comfortable, and you'll get friendly smiles when you come. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, for your listeners, so I'll use that as an example. So when we did that uh, project, uh, we purchased that hotel for uh, $12 million. Okay. And the way we did it was we raised uh, over probably $2.3 million in equity is what we needed. Okay. Um, and we did that by going out to friends, family, mm-hmm. other folks we knew, and we did it um, about twenty dollars to $50,000 at a time. Mm-hmm. So our biggest investor, I think, put in $200,000 of their money. Mm-hmm. Our smallest investor had $10,000. Okay. And uh, what we did is we formed an uh, LLC that costs uh, $321 at the time, I remember. <laughs> and um, we went to a good attorney mm-hmm. and got the, um, the legal work to be able to uh, have what we call subscription agreements, which are just agreements with someone that says, hey, you're buying stock in this newly created company. Mm-hmm. And we sold shares and uh, with that, we were able to raise $2.3 million. Okay. Um, and then for the actual bank financing, uh, we got $11 million from uh, a company um, that we, what they do is they have what they call a non-recourse loan, which means you don't have to personally sign on mm-hmm. the loan documents for your personal uh, net worth and things. You just have to say, hey, if things don't work out, the bank gets to take the property. Okay. Okay. And that's called a non-recourse loan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those things are pretty prominent in the commercial real estate. Okay. Um, because the bank looks at it and says, well, I don't want to come and take your house if mm-hmm. things fail. I just want to take this property that's worth right. more money. Mm-hmm. And as long as I have that and it covers you know, what the uh, bank loan is, mm-hmm. then we're in good shape. Okay. So the hotel, when y'all purchased, the building already existed, and then y'all outfitted it for Marriott. Right, okay. exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I'm uh, just so proud of you. It was a tough challenge to do, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, that's not where I would suggest people start. I know. mean, but you just it's doable. Something, something million dollars. Yeah. I don't think most people will start there. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that's what I want people to know is it's just that it's really just about getting started. Mm-hmm. And it's really about trying to create wealth. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we talk enough in the black community about wealth. About how to create it. And just how to create it. Mm-hmm. And it's really just about, which is different than just making your paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And different, you know, because, you know, you can get a job and earn a good income, mm-hmm. but it's what you do with that income that determines whether you create wealth or not. Mm-hmm. And wealth is about having assets that can appreciate in value and that you can turn over to, you can convert to other right. things. Right. So you can convert to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really where we fall short on a lot of opportunities is that we don't have enough wealth creation opportunities Mm -hmm. that come to our community for opportunities to invest. Yeah. And that was one of our goals with our company is that we wanted to get in the room to do big real estate deals, Mm -hmm. carve out a small amount that we could then take 
back to our community and allow small investors, Mm -hmm. someone who has Mm $10,000, maybe left over my 401k from a job I left five years ago, Mm -hmm. and I can participate in this new apartment building that's down on Tryon Street that's $20 million, Mm -hmm. right? That's kind of one of the things that we do Mm -hmm. that's unique um, just because it serves our purpose. Yeah. And, you know, we're kind of purpose-driven in what we're trying to do. Okay. And then speaking of creating wealth, is your, I, I know you said, I'm assuming your brother's part of the Calhoun with the mm-hmm. hotel. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other family members that are in, involved in it at all? Maybe not the aspect, but working there or? Well, my youngest daughter, Lauren, just started working the front desk okay. last oh. week. Okay. So <laughs> hey, she's, a, uh, she's a proud Aggie at okay. uh, A&T, and so she's home for the summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she's working the front desk. Mm-hmm. And um, that really is the that was the purpose for me yeah mm-hmm. so people ask well why did you get into hotels the reason we got into hotels versus apartments initially is i wanted to be able to provide more jobs mm. it, it was really that simple because i just saw too much talent and our community didn't get a chance mm-hmm. yeah and so i said well if i get an apartment okay i've got somebody in the front lobby i've got a maintenance person mm-hmm. but there's maybe four or five jobs there right. a hotel you can have 30 to 50 jobs yeah and so it's everything from new you know immigrants that's coming over that needs an opportunity mm-hmm. that you can provide in you know housekeeping back office stuff mm-hmm. it's college students that are looking for that first job or an internship Mm-hmm. You know, while they're young, that's mm-hmm. a good, you know, opportunity. As well as just that experienced person who's been a front desk manager mm-hmm. or maybe even assistant GM and GM forever, but that owner never talks to them about the ownership side of the right. business, the right. financing side of the business, mm-hmm. and always keeps them on just the payroll side mm-hmm. of the business mm-hmm. and never on the ownership side. Mm-hmm. So we had a passion for wanting to try to change that in our own little way, step by step. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of why we got into the, um, the hospitality side. So now with you, and you said it's um, like a Marriott property, did they come in and kind of guide you through that? Because I mean, I'm assuming you didn't have experience running hotels. Right, so the way I did that was kind of what I suggested. I invested first. Okay. So I, I took my, I, um, I used to work at this, co- at this company called Corning. They were a Fortune 500 company, and I left them, and I had a 401K. Mm-hmm. I took my 401K. I converted it over to a self-directed IRA, mm-hmm. and then I took $100,000 from my 401K, and I invested first in a, um, a Marriott hotel that was up in the Washington, D.C. area. Got okay. another... Um, black owner that I know uh, mm-hmm. was putting together. Okay. And um, from that, I got reviewed and qualified through Marriott because they do a background check mm-hmm. on you and all those kind of mm-hmm. things to make sure there's no money laundering, there's yeah. no any of those things mm-hmm. in there. So, so I kind of had gotten cleared by Marriott through mm-hmm. that process. So then when I went back with the four points and I'm now applying myself, I could say, oh, I'm already an owner mm-hmm. in another hotel that you've already vetted me. Right. So that helped. Mm-hmm. Um, the part that I will say that's a little daunting mm-hmm. is that Marriott is the hardest of the franchises to get. Okay. So Marriott requires whoever's the, the kind of the sponsors mm-hmm. that you have to have a net worth of $10 million. Okay. Which can can be a hurdle, yeah. um, and so what we did is we you know pull, but you can pull that together. Right. So if you have five people that had net worth of two, okay. you can you can meet that criteria. And with that, you I mean I'm sure because you keep talking about the legal documents, y'all made sure that y'all had y'all how that'll be split and all that yeah. vetted out. Okay. Yeah, there's there's really only two things you need from a legal document standpoint. Um, you need to have your operating agreement, mm-hmm. which is just your your document. If you form a company, it just says, here's how the members are going to agree to operate mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. each other. It's a standard agreement. Yeah. And then you need to have a subscription agreement, which is what you give to your investors that would say, hey, I'm going to give you these shares for this value of the company, and that's going to be your piece of paper almost like kind of stock certificates. If mm-hmm. you're buying stock on the open market, yeah. it's kind of that equivalency okay. um, on the commercial side. Got you. 
And I know you have a background in marketing as well. Uh, actually, I'm an engineer. I went to okay. NC State. Uh, got my degree in mechanical engineering. I wow. wanted to be an astronaut. I started off in aerospace. <laughs> okay. okay. And while I was a sophomore, the Space Shuttle Challenger blew up. <laughs> and there went my astronaut career. All right. Um, and so I switched over to mechanical. And then I went wow. to work for P&G, making Pampers and Love's Diapers. So okay. I went from the from outer space to the outhouse. It's kind of how my, my career wow. went. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And so and then I was in tech, so I was mm-hmm. more so on the, the tech process mm-hmm. engineering side. So when you got into investing, were you still doing that full time? Yeah. Okay. Do you do this full time now? Or are you still in Yeah, I do, I do okay. this full time now. Okay. okay. So, um, but for 18, for well, probably 15 years, I was on the investment side, mm-hmm. still working a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And I would just take, you know, really what I did is I would take, you know, the bonuses I, I got from mm-hmm. work. And I would take a part of that, put it in my kids, you know, college fund. Mm-hmm. And I would take the other part and I would put it into, you know, more speculative um, investment opportunities. Gotcha. Yeah. And so you mentioned, especially when with going in with multiple people and, you know, the private equity aspects, forming these LLCs does, I don't know how I'm going to ask this without getting in your business. You can get in my business. I'm okay. <laughs> so does the Calhoun Group or would you, do you form an LLC for each property? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. So one of the keys is that what's common in especially commercial real estate is what they call single purpose LLCs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what you do is every time we do a project, and this is pretty common, mm-hmm. every hotel, every apartment building, um, every shopping mall you go to, it is a single purpose entity probably that owns it. Okay. Um, meaning that they just came together and if you went and look and see who owns it, it's a company and that company, the only thing they do is deal with that one piece of property. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because um, if you had a whole, if you had ten properties mm-hmm. and they were all under one company, mm-hmm. then um, anything is open to the public. If somebody slips on some ice and breaks their leg, mm-hmm. or they want to sue you, yeah. and you've got ten properties as part of your company now. And you guys are lawyers, so you can tell me how mm-hmm. that works. Yeah. They're going after all your <laughs> assets, right. you know, that's there. But if you just have one single uh, company mm-hmm. that that's all they own, then that's the only thing that has the exposure. Yeah. And so that's usually the way that you do that um, on commercial real estate. Okay. Got you. So, I, so, yeah, I'm forming new companies all the time. It gets to be a pain <laughs> come uh, tax time. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, sure. Oh, I bet. And you have a very interesting story behind one of your LLC names, the oh, Legacy 3. Yeah. So so what we did is, uh, thank you for, mm-hmm. for mentioning that. What we did is um, when we bought the hotel, um, and I was uh, fortunate to be married to Don Calhoun for 27 and a half years. We were sorry. And, um, and uh, she battled breast cancer for 15 years and fought vigilantly. And so, but when we bought the hotel and we had our open house, she was there and gave a speech to all the investors Mm -hmm. at the end. And one of the things she said was that we struggled to do this so we could build a legacy. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of my partners, Walter Rasby, came up with the idea. He said, hey, let's create a new company Mm -hmm. and brand it about, you know, the powerful message that Dawn gave us when we opened the hotel about creating a legacy. Mm -hmm. And so we created Legacy 3 Group, um, which is our predominant company name that we use right now. So primarily, our main focus, because of COVID, has shifted from hospitality Mm -hmm. to multifamily uh, apartments, um, townhouses, things Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And we do that under Legacy 3 Group. Uh, in part in honor of uh, of Dawn mm-hmm. uh, in memory of her. Yeah, yeah. So. I love that. She was the absolute best. She was so sweet and smart and yes, all was. the things. She really <laughs> was. She was awesome. But I have good taste. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there you have it. Okay. <laughs> so with so right now, what states? Um, does the Calhoun Group have properties in? Are you just in North Carolina? Or are you spread out? Uh, well, actually, we're in North Carolina, South Carolina, Alabama, and the D.C. Metroplex. Okay. So we, we own a uh, Marriott Courtyard in 
Waldorf, Maryland, which is um, in the mm-hmm. D.C. you know suburbs. And what we're most excited about now is we're working on a project in downtown um, Birmingham, Alabama, mm-hmm. where we have a full city block that's right next to where the city's doing a nice um, uh, kind of walkway, breezeway area underneath a highway. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. But um, we're going to put on um, a hotel. We're going to high-end hotel. We're going to put on uh, a nice apartment complex with retail at the bottom, parking deck. Um, so we're pretty excited about that to develop, you know, a full city block in a downtown metroplex. How'd you uh, say, find a developer and let them know I want to invest? <laughs> <laughs> well, we open for all investors on that one. We're going to take your $10,000 okay. and right. so, uh, But no, so what, what we did is that there's a really dynamic mayor um, in Birmingham who really has, I think, a great vision for the city. Mm-hmm. And so we were fortunate to meet him, young guy, talk to him. And uh, we said, hey, we, we're bought into your vision. Uh, we think we can help. And, uh, you know, he liked our company. And mm-hmm. so uh, he partnered with us on a couple of strategic uh, sites downtown. And what he's really trying to do is, is to really create something and create right. some value for yeah. Birmingham. And we wanted to be a part of that. Got you. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then, so you got that part. The other thing that makes me, because we talked about location, do you kind of approach the location for these type of projects like you did when you told us, you know, kind of drive around and see where people want to be? Or how do you decide when you're doing these, you know, great projects, this is where we should be? Mm-hmm. That's, um, how do I explain that secret sauce? So <laughs> the um, part of it is just a feel. So I would say, you can get, depending upon how comfortable you are with what I call FUD, which is fear, uncertainty, and doubt, mm. the more comfortable you are being out on the edge, then the more you can be a developer. Mm. The less comfortable you are, the more you come back to just being an investor. Okay. Gotcha. Right? Because as a developer, you have to be out there and ahead of the game. That's the mm-hmm. hardest part Visionary. about being a developer yeah. is we're visionaries, mm-hmm. bankers are not. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So the hardest part of this game is convincing conservative bankers mm-hmm. and investors that this is the new wave mm-hmm. and this is where we need to go. Because mm-hmm. what everybody likes to have as comfort is they want show me exactly where this has been done before mm-hmm. that's right next to you. Right that this is exactly what they made. Mm-hmm, right? Right. So what people don't want is they don't want risk. Mm-hmm. But there's an equation. The more risk you take, the, the higher the reward. reward. Mm-hmm. There's downside, but there's also the upside. Right. So what you do is um, we look at emerging trends. Okay. So if you're driving around in any city, we'll just pick Charlotte, right? Mm-hmm. What I would do is I would take a... 15-minute radius of downtown Charlotte, mm-hmm. right? And I would go somewhere and say, is this neighborhood expensive or is this neighborhood cheap? Okay. Okay. If the neighborhood's cheap, I'm looking for property there. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I know that once South End fills up, mm-hmm. they're going to need somewhere, somewhere else, else to go. Mm-hmm. Right. So I knew five years ago that buying land around Johnson C. Smith was going to be a great investment Mm -hmm. because it's going to gentrify because it's too close to downtown, Mm -hmm. right? I knew South End five years ago was a good place to buy land Mm -hmm. because they got to come that way. Yeah. I know that Camp North End area Mm -hmm. is, you know, a historically black community Mm -hmm. now is not going to be a historically black community in five years. I can tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. So if you got land out in the Camp North End area, you should Hold be on. looking at trying to <laughs> redevelop that land. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I would tell your listeners is if you do own land, if, if a developer comes to you and says, I want to buy your property and turn it into something else, mm-hmm. you should sit down and talk to them. But you should say, I'm not going to sell it. Mm-hmm. But what I want you to do is partner with me. I'm going to contribute the, the market value of my land mm-hmm. into your deal for equivalent equity in the deal. Okay. So if he offers to buy your 
your house or your land for say three hundred thousand dollars, mm-hmm. you would say, "Don't give me three hundred thousand dollars. Give me three hundred thousand dollars with a credit mm-hmm. in the deal because you'll make so much more money incrementally mm-hmm. than you would if you sold it." Gotcha. Um, and that was what we tried to do in D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably one of my biggest professional disappointments that we couldn't make some of the inroads we tried to Mm. but we tried to go especially the black churches we tried to go to homeowners Mm -hmm. and say don't sell to the guy coming outside Mm -hmm. your community Mm -hmm. who's telling he's gonna give you four hundred thousand dollars for your house Mm -hmm. partner with us Mm -hmm. we'll give you fifty thousand dollars cash today three hundred fifty towards what we're going to create mm-hmm. but in two years time it's going to be worth two million dollars right right and you're and, and it's going to pay you on a monthly basis mm-hmm. you know for the rest of your life because mm-hmm. we're about to turn this into an apartment complex mm-hmm. and you know we even tried one um one pastor was a little bit challenged and we said hey we'll name <laughs> We'll name the apartment complex <laughs> after you. We'll have a community center. You know, we'll build in there, you know, a multi-purpose room so you could do your thing. I mean, we tried mm-hmm. everything. But he's like, well, all I hear is you're trying to give me less than what right, the right. other guys give me. You just hear the number. Right. Yeah. And so I would just ask people to kind of look at mm-hmm. things a little differently because real estate's a long-term mm-hmm. play, mm-hmm. right? So you're talking about your future. You're talking about your your kids or or your family members or some of your favorite people that, you know, if you do it right, you can amass wealth in a pretty short order Mm -hmm. that you can give to people. Well, the thing that stood out to me in that example was, okay, you're leaving this home, but to your point, you can actually go somewhere else because you see so many people, for whatever reason, when people could go through. And I, I think there's pros and cons of everything. So I do think it is sad that neighborhoods gentrify and people get displaced. But I also think it's sad when people don't hold on to what grandma passed on or or what have you. Um, And so you'll hear people that, like to your point, oh, I got 150,000. But where can you stay in today's market for 150,000? Where are you going? So at least, you know, in your example, it's like, okay, I did leave this home but to your point i i've got so much more i could i mean they might be able to buy something even better well so if you think about it really and all of our communities that are close to downtown Mm -hmm. if and i'll you know depending on how much people travel you can go to harlem you can go to anywhere Mm -hmm. in america it doesn't matter with dc which is the chocolate city yep there isn't any more Mm-hmm. It's about to cross over to be majority uh, white mm-hmm. in D.C., which I never thought would happen. I'm from D.C. Mm-hmm. But the cost of uh, rents in D.C. right now, if you want a thousand square feet mm-hmm. apartment, mm-hmm. that right now is costing you about mm, close to $3,000 a month for a thousand square feet. Right. <laughs> So, five years ago, mm-hmm. that same thing, you know, would have been half that, mm-hmm. right? So, what I see is all the wealth that's been created when I go to D.C., mm-hmm. and I see all of our neighborhoods that now have high-rise, yeah. um, you know, condos and other things. And I just think if the people who own that property would have stayed in, mm-hmm. they're now millionaires, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, gentrification wouldn't be bad. <laughs> if we all had an extra $10 million in the bank right. and we could do something else with it mm-hmm. that the community could benefit from. Yeah. The the problem with gentrification is that we're not benefiting from right. the value mm-hmm. creation. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing that I would tell your listeners is figure out a way to participate or create value, mm-hmm. right? There's lots of ways to create value, mm-hmm. but they're not that many. You either have to invent something you have to invest in something mm-hmm. or you have to turn something that was, you know, not so good and make it better. Right? Gotcha. That's how you create value. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, on the tech side, they mm-hmm. came in, they invented a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So if that's not your 
right. your forte, right. mm-hmm. then you can invest in stocks. You can invest in other things. You can invest in real estate, mm-hmm. but you're taking something of lower value and creating more value to mm-hmm. it. Gotcha. And, and that's what real estate's about is I'm trying to take this dirt and I'm going to turn this dirt into an apartment complex. And so an apartment complex has more value than the raw dirt. Mm-hmm. That's and that's the simple way to think about commercial real estate. Gotcha. Um, and for your, for your listeners, when you're talking about location, the other thing I would do is just look and see how things have developed. Um, I'll give your listeners a couple of key things to do. Um, if you want to go flip a house, one of the best ways to go find opportunities is find an attorney that's a family law attorney or a state planning attorney mm-hmm. and get to know them and ask them for who has estates that are coming up that they need to sell. Mm-hmm. That's one. Go find estates that mm-hmm. are where someone's passed away and the next generation doesn't want to keep the burden of the house. So mm-hmm. that's a good value when yeah. you look at it. Um, look and see... How things are developing, and if you see, wow, if I go down this street, I'm seeing all new shopping centers, and I'm seeing a Starbucks and (laughs) trees, and let me tell you, walking a dog. If you start seeing bicycle lanes being created, then you better start. You better start (laughs) buying some real estate because if they putting bicycle lanes in to a place that used to be the hood, then that's right for gentrification. Right, because those bicycle lanes aren't for you. Yeah. Um, so that's those are some of the ways that you know kind of mm-hmm. where to go look for stuff. Got you. Okay. And then I, I guess my final question is: I know, especially in, in the Charlotte market, like it's very daunting with how much stuff is is costing. Right. Like you mm-hmm. like you mentioned the one thousand square foot or like three thousand dollars, but honestly, that's not very far fetched in Charlotte either. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and so that's very. Like I said, just daunting because the salaries aren't necessarily matching up and that's a whole different conversation. But for someone that's looking to invest or maybe even purchase um, a home, um, like what what can they do? Because I, I don't I don't I don't I'm assuming I mean, you're doing hotels and million dollar deals. so That's different. <laughs> but for the normal person, like I don't think they're trying to go out and invest in a two hundred and fifty thousand, three hundred thousand dollar house as a right. flip. Mm-hmm. So, like, how can they? Are, are there still properties in Charlotte that are available like that, or do we need to start going to the outskirts of Charlotte and start looking in the Gastonia area? Yeah. And- so that's a that's a great question. So for for us, we're investing heavily in Mooresville. Okay. We're out in you know Weddington, mm-hmm. and you know we're going in those outskirt skirt areas like Denver mm-hmm. is, is a great place. Gastonia is actually emerging now oh, as yeah. a spot. Um, so what you want to do is you want to go to where there is affordability. Mm-hmm. And as long as there's a population surge, mm-hmm. then you can feel relatively comfortable that it really doesn't have to be fantastic it just has to be more than what you bought it for. Mm-hmm. It's a simple proposition mm-hmm. in real estate. You want to buy it for less and sell it for more. Right. If you buy something for $100,000 mm-hmm. and you can turn it into something for $120,000, that's a 20% right. return. Yeah. And because you're using bank debt, you're not putting up $100,000. Right. You're putting up $10,000. Right. Right. You're getting the rest from the bank mm-hmm. and then you pay them off, mm-hmm. right? And then you took your 10000 and you turned it into now thirty thousand, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right. So that's how you really, you know, make money. Right. Um, and a couple of simple things I'll, I'll leave with your listeners. One is, you have to network if you want to be in this business with people who have money. So mm-hmm. you got to get comfortable with asking people for money, mm-hmm. finding out people who have money, and getting them comfortable investing in you. Mm-hmm. That's you got to be able to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing you got to be able to do is understand financial statements. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just do a quick class online or something about what is a PL statement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can, and a pro forma, understand right. what those two terms are, which is just a projection of what you think mm-hmm. it will do after you fix it up. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then the, the third one is, is you got to understand the legal documentation and an attorney can do that for you. Mm-hmm. 
And I will add, and this is not an area of expertise for me, but when we t- he use it, when you use the example of the hundred thousand, you turned into one twenty. Make sure you get with a tax or accountant, mm-hmm. some kind of professional, because there is a such thing as you know, capital gains. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you have to pay something on that. That twenty thousand, thirty thousand. Yeah. So just, if you don't invest it in a certain you way, don't a certain time, yeah, do some things. So, so just, just saying. So let me ask you guys a question. What would y'all like to be able to do? What What's your dreams if you could have it you you want rental properties you want an apartment complex you want a shopping center what you want okay uh, that's see that's <laughs> like, that's why <laughs> you need well, you say you got to connect with me, <laughs> other people that have money I, I have my answer right. Right. well no i mean i know that me and her have talked about investing in multiple properties like i in my mind has been on multi-family properties okay and in residential properties it, like i said because it's not something that I have seen. Mm-hmm. It was never to do a hotel. Like, right. But, I mean, even mentioning this thing in Birmingham, Alabama, I'm like, yeah, I would love to invest in something like that. But if it had not been connection and networking, mm-hmm. like you said, mm-hmm. I, it wouldn't be something I had thought about, like mm-hmm. invest in a shopping center. Like, it, that wouldn't have been in my mindset but because I know, you know, my father, her father, both in, in real estate investors. So I know fa- multifamily. I know residential. So right. definitely want to get into that for sure. Okay, so so one of the best ways to to do that actually mm-hmm. is 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 if you're driving around mm-hmm. and you see because um, a lot of times you'll see like vacant lots mm-hmm. and you'll see just like a sign and may say you know three point eight acres right. for sale. Mm-hmm. Um, start calling them up. Okay, um, and just asking them, hey, how much are you selling that for? Mm-hmm. You know the acreage, and then the other thing I haven't mentioned is zoning, which is very important. Which is zoning is really the city determines how a certain land or parcel can be used. Mm-hmm. And if you want to turn it from here's what it is today to something new, mm-hmm. a lot of times you'll have to change the zoning to get approval to do that. Right. Yeah. And so zoning becomes an important factor that people need to learn mm-hmm. um, because that requires working with the city to change the zoning, yeah. which can be complicated. But for most times, if you have something that's a house and mm-hmm. you want to improve the house it's already zoned now mm-hmm. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Yeah. if you have an apartment complex mm-hmm. and it's run down and you want to turn it into something new mm-hmm. then that's going to be you know zoned that way as well gotcha yeah my answer is very similar to quicks i direct involvement very much looking at residential and i think some of it is because seeing my father and like upgrading houses and some of the things it's kind of like I love my brothers, but I do know that as they get older, it's going to be more on me to do those things. Um, And so you also have have an interest or I have an interest from the child perspective of like, you kind of want your own too. Mm -hmm. You don't want to just, you know, who's waiting around on somebody to pass away? I'm not, you know, so (laughs) I mean, that's no. Um, But then I think from the passive income side, I'm very interested in, to Quick's point, I don't think my mind went to hotels or things like that because that's not something I see or hear about a lot, unfortunately, in in black community. Um, But was definitely thinking like trucking, things like that. I don't run and run that day to day, but I will take that check. Yeah. Um, But ultimately, like I, I kind of summarize the goal um, in a sentence. I want my nine to five to be a part time. Like I'm just here for the benefits. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. So so one of the things you guys can think about is uh, well, first of all. I got some um, multifamily apartment complexes for you guys to uh, invest in, so I'll, be, I'll make sure I share that <laughs> with you. Um, so that's that's ninety percent of our business right now is all multifamily apartments, mm-hmm. um, really because of the pandemic. But mm-hmm. um, one of the things that you can do is you can actually just look at those different areas that you want to invest in mm-hmm. and you can actually start looking at um, management companies, okay. right? So one of the things that people may say is, well, I don't want to have to deal with renters. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to go and collect rent. I'm mm-hmm. already busy mm-hmm. enough. You know, I hear horror stories about dealing yeah. with people. I don't want to evict anybody. You don't have to manage right. that. Mm-hmm. You can own it, not manage it. Yeah. Right. I own two Marriott hotels. I don't manage any of them. Right. I hire a third-party group. Mm-hmm. Um, I pay them a fee to manage it. They mm-hmm. handle all the day-to-day. Mm-hmm. They yeah. handle all the employees. Mm-hmm. They handle all that. 
I just talked to him at the end of the month about like where's my check and what's it look <laughs> what's like right, and right. that type what's of thing. Right. But the same thing for for uh, multifamily. Mm-hmm. They have a, apartment managers. They yeah. have rental my, managers. My mom has a pro- property. Yeah. Property. So yeah. you don't have to do it. You don't have to cut the grass. You ain't got to put in the you know <laughs> fix the sheetrock. You have to do that yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You just have property managers that can do that oh, for yourself. For sure. Yeah, my um, good friend is in property management. And then for, because I I think her father's the same way. Well, I know my dad did a a lot of the work, right? So that was very, um, well, I was very hesitant in getting into it because, you know, as a woman, you just really don't know what contractors you can trust, if they're going to overprice you, even know how to get into the market, right? And like I said, from my perspective of seeing my father, he he knew a good from roof to the the floor, you know? So it was just different. So, I mean... I guess it might be different with commercial development, but how are you going? How would I go about finding like a contract if I wanted to go to home? Yeah, that's a great part, and that actually is the hardest part. Okay. The hardest part is finding good, um, good professionals, yeah. right? So, um, and the unfortunate thing is, people who have them, they don't want to share them, right? So, <laughs> well, developers are like really They're jealous, stingy, stingy <laughs> yeah, people, yeah. so they don't like to share a yeah, lot. Yeah. For sure. um, is really is kind of networking, mm-hmm. and so you just kind of find somebody. The almost the best way to go about doing it is the good thing about real estate is a lot of things are public. Mm-hmm. So if somebody um, sells a house, you have an address, mm-hmm. you can actually drive by. I, to be honest, the best way to do it is drive-bys. Mm-hmm. Right? You have so, the signs up Yeah, there. what I do mm-hmm. is if I, because when we were looking in Charlotte, and I said, well, I don't even know who a good drywall person is. Mm-hmm. I don't know who a good yeah. floor person is. I started talking to some other developers, and they gave me some references. But really... I would go in an area where I'm like, you know what? That guy did a nice house. I got mm. to see it look nice. Mm-hmm. Next time he's doing one or the next door is doing one, mm-hmm. as I would go and I would drive by and I would see a little van. Mm-hmm. I would write it down. Or the guy sitting outside taking a mm-hmm. lunch break, I would go talk to him. It's like, hey, I'm thinking about doing a project. Can I get your business card or your number? Mm-hmm. Um, get a comfortable conversation. Yeah. You, you, this is this is definitely a get out and right. talk to people business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the other thing, I mean, because your dad did all that. My dad was like Cliff Huxtable, you know, <laughs> not fixing major things. But he kind of taught me because they will jack the price up mm-hmm. for a woman. Like, I definitely, if they have, I won't say pictures of their work, but if they have some kind of work mm-hmm. product. And then also, like, talking to multiple people. So, like, of course, a plumber. I'm not going to take the first plumber mm-hmm. that gives me a quote. Like, let me compare these to at least know what mm-hmm. should be reasonable right. yeah. you know one person telling you ten thousand the other guy said four yeah and another one came in at five you already know like ten thousand might be a long mm-hmm. well and and you guys do have and you and you mentioned being a woman mm-hmm. and that is a real is. Uh, issue mm-hmm. right because a lot of the contractors and stuff are male Mm-hmm. And it's just like going in and dealing with mechanics with your mm-hmm, car. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. that, that is a real thing that guys are going to try to put stuff over on you. They're going to try to, you know, make Tell things you seem stuff you more complicated. Mm-hmm. Or, right. Oh, I can't go back and fix that because this or that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my business partner, one of my business partner is a black female. Mm-hmm. And she was actually um, recognized as person of the year in one of the hotel magazines. And um, and so I always kind of learn and hear from her as to what are those things that mm-hmm. she's facing mm-hmm. and how is she overcoming them. And the best way that she overcame them was what she just she's a networking mm-hmm. fiend. Right, right? Right. She's always talking to people. Mm-hmm. She's always, you know, finding out and she'll find a guy <laughs> and she'll make them kind of like you know, like her in terms of, you know, like your personality and being mm-hmm. around you. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, she's pumped him for like five different <laughs> recommendations. Right. And I go to her, I'm like, Tracy, we need somebody for such and such. Can you go network and find her right. for me? And she'll, you know, yeah. she leverages her personality to do that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. And you guys have a great personality, so oh, you can do it. Got to get out there. We can get comfortable conversation. Well, this is awesome and yeah. full of information and a lot, a lot, a lot of great takeaways. I'll be playing it back several times between also calling you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, this is really, really great. And we appreciate you coming on and sharing your wealth of knowledge. Because, mm-hmm. like, like Lee said, you pay for what you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you do know, fam, 
do something with the information, right? <laughs> we didn't sit down here for an hour and talk yeah. and give you all this information for you not to go out and try to create your own well. So, um, Lee? I, that's all I have. Um, you can email us questions, comments, concerns, shenanigans, diva advice at gmail.com. That is D I V A A D V I C E at gmail.com. Um, we are on all the things, divas and ducats. Um, oh, well, where can they find yeah. you, Kevin? Yes, yeah, so uh, you can contact me via email at Kevin Calhoun at legacy, the number three group.com that's kevin calhoun at legacy the number three group.com and uh that's also our website or you can go to the calhoun group uh realty.com uh is also our website kind of connects to the same place and you can come visit us at the um four points lake yes. norman mm -hmm. up in huntersville or if you're in the dc area the um courtyard in waldorf maryland um, those are some of the ways you can get in contact uh, with me. And if anybody's interested in any of the projects or anything, I'll be happy to help you get started on your own group or <laughs> you can invest with us and use that as a knowledgeable way uh, and safe way to get started. Yeah, I think I'll be taking a staycation soon. <laughs> <laughs> or when you go to D.C. All yes. right, all right. I'm staying in Waldorf, New York. Okay. <laughs> so we really appreciate it. We'll definitely have his information in the show notes below. And Diva family, in the meantime and between time, have a great attitude. Okay. All right. Bye, everybody.